Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and the Buffs won a basketball game that actually happened. Um, score was 83-78. to They beat Washington State in Boulder. It had been, what was that? Was that 18 off days? I think it was 18 off days uh, since the last time that they played. Remember, that was that game against CSU Bakersfield. Feels like a year ago. Um, definitely good just to see him get back on the court. Uh, I I didn't realize how much fun it was to watch the Buffs play basketball just because it had been so long. But then they get out there and it's like, oh, yeah, look, Tristan, he sure looks big. Like, oh, Jabari, look at him jump around out there. Uh, Lawson Lovering gets in. You're like, oh, yeah, Lawson. Wow, he, he looks sharp early on. Didn't, I don't know, tailed off a bit, I guess. Um, Just good to have him back, first of all. But then also good to get the win. Um. We're going to talk all about this stuff. There's a couple players in particular I want to talk about. Um, I have some thoughts on Keyshawn Bartholomew. Um, the seniors really closed the game out tonight. Um, but first of all, I just want to jump in with this. It's really nice to be playing Pac-12 basketball. Um, up to this point, I guess there was the early Pac-12 games against UCLA and Stanford. But for the most part, it was just non-conference basketball. And there's a lot of fun that comes along with that. Um, but there's also, it can also be really frustrating to watch because you go play a CSU Bakersfield or a Southern Illinois or whoever, and the expectation isn't just to win. You know, the expectation is to win by 10 points, 20 points, because you're playing a really bad team. Um, not that those two are really bad, but just as examples of the teams that the Buffs have played. And, you know, Colorado goes nine and three before they hit conference play because they didn't play that Kansas game obviously it got canceled of those I guess they go eight and two against non-conference teams and it was disappointing which just sucks like it sucks to be playing 10 games winning eight of them and still thinking oh that's disappointing and I don't know. I mean, I feel like any time you get a win, 
you can't complain too much. But I mean, when you watch those games that they played, so many of them coming down to the wire against teams that were that that just shouldn't happen. It is frustrating, and there was plenty left to be desired. And I think that the biggest reason I'm just happy that it's time for Pac-12 basketball is because if you win any of these games, you played well. And if you didn't, then you didn't. And maybe there's a little bit more nuance there than that. But for the most part, that's just kind of how it works now. You know, you're, the, the, the question that the Buffs have coming into the season is where do they rank in the Pac-12? You know, is this a team that really is in the top half? Can they compete for a bye again? Can they compete in the conference tournament at the end of the season? We don't really know, but we do know what the path there is. And any opponent that you play in the Pac-12, sure, there's a couple that are kind of rough right now. If you win, you you played well enough, and you know minimum you're you're getting a B minus, a B grade. Um, and I said tonight before the game on Twitter, if they win, that's an A grade for me. I don't care if they miss every three-point shot. I don't care if they turn the ball over 28 times. I don't care. If you win after this eight-day, 18-day gap, that's an A for me. And it isn't quite like that in every Pac-12 game, but it is kind of in that vein now where we can be done with this whole, well, they won, but they won by nine and we thought that they should win by a lot more than that. Or they won by three, and we thought that this would be an easy win. Nope. I don't care that it's Washington coming to town on Sunday, and Washington, to me, I guess Cal's probably worse. But Washington is one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. If you win, good job. That is good work, and you can be proud of what you did, and you can move along. And I think that's what stood out to me the most tonight was, like, yeah, it was a close game, but you weren't stressed because it was a close game. It's a close game because it's a Pac-12 game against a team that, I mean, their record isn't as good. Where they will eight and five coming into tonight, something like that. Um, Eastern Washington beat them. Like this is not the best team out there, but it's a Pac-12 opponent, and now it's just time to get to work. You know, it's almost like like everybody hates on the preseason college football rankings. It's like how could you possibly put a top 25 together and put them in order without even seeing them play? And the answer is because it's absolutely just for clicks and you're going to get a lot of clicks because there's going to be teams that are fans that are happy. It's like, oh, look, ha, we're good. We're number eight in the country. See, we told you we're good. And there's going to be other teams that say, oh, this is dumb, whatever. I kind of feel like even all of non-conference basketball is kind of that way. And, And not always, but when you have the schedule that Colorado had, it's that way because you, you sure you have Kansas on there, but even that game gets canceled. And so you're really just playing some not so great teams. I mean, you had Tennessee in there and that's, that's it. So when you go in and say, Oh, well you went down to the wire with New Mexico, you took the lead with a minute left and didn't really look back, but that's not, that's not all that. So, you know, all that stuff, it just sucks, and that's how that first part of the season goes where you're just grading on this scale. And I guess, I mean, part of that is just college sports. You know, it isn't just whether you win or lose. It's how much you win by and all that stuff because the rankings do matter here. Um, but at this point, it's just you go out and you do it, and if you if you finish with 12 wins in Pac-12 play, that's a solid season. 12-8, and eight, 
given the the circumstances, given that this is such a young team, sure, that's not bad. If you can get up to 13, 14, 15 wins, hey, you're the rec you are what your record says you are. And that's true now. That's not really true in non-conference play when you're playing all these these teams that Colorado is playing. So that was my biggest takeaway. It's just that it's finally here. Basketball is back, and the Buffs are either going to go do it or they're not. And that is a lot of fun. And that's why we watch these games. Um, let's just jump in with Jabari Walker. Uh, he uh, He had a really rough start. I think, was he 0 of 6 from the field in the first half? Um, a couple of turnovers in there, too. He struggled. He really struggled. And uh, then he totally turned it around. And they do not win this game without him. Um, in the second half, I think he, he made his first six shots of the second half. Um, finishes with 16 points. Uh, he actually was over four in the first half, not six. But then he made his first, or yeah, his first six of the second half. Uh, finishes seven of eleven on the game, um, so he actually went seven of seven from the field in the second half. Sixteen points, like I said, some of them come in pretty big moments late in the game. Um, eight rebounds, four turnovers. Uh, you want that to go down? We'll talk about the turnovers frequently throughout this podcast. So there's a heads up there. But 16-8, that's a solid stat line. And it was nice to see him turn around, turn it around. Um, he was more aggressive getting into the paint. Um, a couple a couple of times there were some good passes that got him the ball down there. Um, but just very strong going to the rim. Good footwork. More patient than we'd seen before. You know, again, when you get into the Pac-12 play, you just can't afford to have these off nights from Jabari. Like it's it's almost just unacceptable. You you need him to be that guy every single night because that's a guy that that I don't want to say he says he is because I'm not sure he's out there like talking saying hey I'm the best player on this team this is my team or I'm gonna lead them to go do whatever. He's, I'm not sure that's his personality, but you know he's talked about as a lottery pick and more likely he's probably a fringe first second round type of guy, but. Uh, this is what you need to do. And, you know, his shot wasn't falling early on. Um, took a couple of threes that missed. And so we got more aggressive, got into the paint. And I mean, what what was the differential in the paint in this game? Because I feel like uh, the Buffs did give up some easy ones. Um, paint, paint, points paint. Oh, they only won 36 to 34. But again, it's 36 to 34 because they gave up so many easy looks. There were some blown defensive assignments. There were uh, just some straight-up blow-bys, some mismatches. Um, that uh, Abigidi, uh F.A. Abigidi, he beat him up. He was 6-6 six of six from the field, 16 points. And, you know, I we didn't see Jabari on him as much as I would have thought. I thought that that was kind of the natural matchup there was to put uh, Jabari on Abigidi just because he can... He matches up with the explosiveness. Um, when Abigidi was guarded by De Silva, or Lawson Lovering was on him for a bit. He beat him pretty clean. They cleared out, and he just went to work. Um, it was actually like a nice little back-to-back there. On the other end of the floor beforehand, Lawson got the ball. Great footwork. Uh, he's patient. 
He knows he's outside of the paint, and so he can take his time. He gets into the paint, and, and he still continues to be patient. He, he rolls back one way, steps, all, all that stuff. But then when it comes time to take the shot, the touch just isn't quite there. And that is the final piece is, honestly, it's just patience shooting the ball is what it looks like. It looks like that's just a little bit rushed. But Lawson, I mean, it's still a good possession. The shot just isn't all that great at the end, even though it's a good look that he gets. Um, and Abigidi gets it, takes it down to the other end. Um, and again, they clear out, and he's able to go to work, and he gets to the rim and has a nice little finish in there. And that's just a more polished basketball player. And it was very obvious in that stretch. Not, not that the talent was all that different or that the the footwork even was all that different. Even Lawson's footwork might have been a little bit better, honestly, I thought. Um, it's just the, the little finish there and that piece of polish, I feel like, was there for Washington State all night, and that was the difference. Um, it felt like they made more shots. The three-point shooting, I guess, wasn't there for him, 7 of 26 um, compared to 6 of 15 for Colorado. But they just seemed cleaner, especially early on, I guess. Especially early on because Colorado, you know, I mentioned that just the touch on Lawson, it looked off. There were some more of those. I think Tristan Da Silva early on had a little layup that he just airballed. It's a tough one. Like, it would have been tough to finish. But it's one where you think, like, oh, you, sh- you should be able to hit something there. No, that wasn't Tristan, was it? Because he was perfect from the field for a long time. Um, Jabari, maybe Keyshawn. But uh, there was just a lot of that stuff where you look at the shots that Washington State is taking and they're sharp. They look good. Like, they look like real real shots. Like, if you were to turn on an NBA game, they're like the shots that they would be taking. You know, whether it's a fadeaway, if it's a fadeaway and the footwork is nice and they, they go up nice and clean, it was just really off balance or out of rhythm for Colorado, specifically early in the game. And, again, I have two thoughts about that. First of all, yeah, it makes sense. They're a bunch of freshmen and sophomores compared to a bunch of much more veteran players with Washington State. So there's that piece. But there's also the fact that they have this long gap. And Washington State did too. I didn't mention that earlier. I think their gap was four days shorter. So like 14 days instead of 18 days. Uh, maybe it was 15 and 18. But they had that gap too. They did seem maybe just a little bit sharper out of the gate, even though Colorado went up early. I think Colorado just knocked down a couple threes, and that kind of changed how that looked. Um, But yeah, I do think that this is probably something that I'll take away from this game. It's just that Washington State offensively looked a little bit more polished. Now, obviously, Colorado was more than capable of getting the job done. Um, They put up 83 points in this game. You're not going to complain about that. It just looked a little bit cleaner for Washington State. Um, Gotten a long way away from Jabari. But uh, with Jabari, again, it was a really good night. And and he was really dominant in that second half. And you just need him to be that guy throughout the game. Um, Because we saw what it looked like when they didn't have him. It was that ugly, kind of sloppy first half. You need to have that anchor. He needs to show up to play every night. During the Pac-12 games. That's the way it works. You know, that's that's why the Buffs were so lucky to have Kin Because he was that steady hand every single night. And some of these teams have that guy. You know, I think the definition of that guy is, is Matt Bradley. 
at Cal for a couple of years was just that guy who was going to go out and do whatever it took to to make it a game. Now he's at San Diego State, um, so that's different. But some teams have that guy, some teams don't. And the teams that have that guy are going to go, I mean, those are the ones that are going to be competing at the end. Whether it's Tiger, I mean, UCLA really has like three of those guys, four of those guys, and that's what separates them. But, you know, Jabari's time to do that. And if it's not going to be him, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think that anybody really stood out and said, that's, that's, I mean, Evan, we'll get to Evan real quick. First, though, um, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I'm excited because tomorrow, no, Saturday, Saturday the Broncos play. I get to go to that game now. I didn't, I had tickets and knew I had tickets, but I also knew that they played a half hour before tip-off against Washington uh, with the basketball team. So I was like, well, that isn't going to happen. Somehow they got flexed on a Saturday, which is incredible. So I get to go to that. Even more incredible, I get to go to the tailgate beforehand, which is so much fun. Um, but free Breckenridge beers, free pizza from Sexy Pizza. Um, it's just, I'm excited. You know, it's going to be kind of cold. The game is probably going to be pretty disgusting to watch. Unless you like watching Patrick Mahomes because he's going to torch the Broncos in a game to potentially take the number one seed in the AFC. But before that, I'm going to drink a lot of Breckenridge beers because they just make everything better. They make Patrick Mahomes torching the Broncos better. They make uh, they make the Buffs winning tonight better. I think they have. No, they might not have Breckenridge at the event center. I don't buy beer there because I'm working when I'm there. I don't think they do. But they do have like a deal with CU. They have a deal with uh, the Avs and the Nuggets. They're a huge part of the local sports scene. And uh, we like to support them because they support us and they support the sports that we like. Uh, so definitely check out the seltzers, the Good Company Hard Seltzers, um, and all the beers that they have. You really can't go wrong. Uh, come down to the DMVR bar. You can check them out there too. Or get ticket to that tailgate on Saturday because that's going to be a lot of fun. Play some beer pong. Play some... Uh, cornhole, play some, uh, oh, they have that ladder ball. It's a good time, so definitely come out and hang out with us. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, We've hit the final week of the pro football regular season, and college football is heading into the national championship. DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to get all fans in on the action for this exciting time on the football calendar. New customers can bet just $5 on any football team to win their game, and if they do, you'll win $200 in free bets. So, let's wind down the season with a big win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on football with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet just $5 on any football team, college or pro, and win $200 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Uh, back in. I want to talk about Keyshawn. Um, I'm not sure. I, I was going to say, if you look at the stats, not all that special of a night from Keyshawn. Not not a great night. It's 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, makes all 5 of his free throws. 
two turnovers in there, four boards, four assists, block, 17 points though. Um, I think that this is kind of the night that you need from Keyshawn. You know, just volume scoring. You need somebody who will put the ball in the basket, and it, it honestly doesn't matter all that much if it's efficient. Um, it'd be great if it's efficient, but you just look at the problems with this team so far, and who knows what this team even is after all the time they just had off and the practices and all that stuff. But the problem, the big problem, is just putting the ball in the basket. And it's, it's kind of like Russell Westbrook. Like, Russell Westbrook, right now, with the Lakers, everybody says he sucks, and that the Lakers are bad, and that they need to try to move him because it's just not going to work out, whatever. When he was with Oklahoma City, things were great, because it was just him, at the end at least, it was just him, and he was MVP, and he was getting all the triple-doubles, because they would just give him the ball on every single play, and he would do enough to at least get them into the game and win enough games to be a five seed or six seed in the playoffs or whatever. When he went to the Lakers, he basically did the same thing. He just didn't get the ball as much. And so instead of shooting 38% from the field and putting up 28 points a night, he shot 38% from the field and scored 14 points a night and that just is not useful. You know, if 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 you have Russell Westbrook and you say, okay, we're committing to this, it's not perfect. Hopefully he opens up enough other guys that they're a little bit more efficient, and that pulls our overall efficiency to whatever, 42% shooting for the game, which means that we're going to win enough to justify this. You know, sometimes teams are just built around a volume score, um, you know, that was the Suns with Devin Booker for a stretch. And, and, you know, it's been a bunch of different guys on a bunch of different teams. And it's never like the the guy that everybody's like, oh, yeah, this is a great player. This is, I want him on my team. No, because the, the caveat is it's usually not all that efficient. But I think that the way this Buffalo's team is built they could stand to have Keyshawn just be a volume scorer. You know, if he's going to take 15 shots every night and score 18 points on those 15 shots, again, you don't look at that and say, oh, yes, that's perfect. That's We love this. But there's the hole in the offense that that fills. You know, it, it means that you're not asking Evan Batty to shoot the ball 15 times or asking Eli Parquet to, to create his own shot six, seven, eight times a game. It it plugs this hole, and that's what I feel like Keyshawn did tonight. It wasn't always pretty, but they needed just that that sheer amount of production, and he provided it to them. 17 points, second most on the team, um, with Jabari Walker 16 being third, Tristan Da Silva 10 points, only other player in double figures. I do think that this is, I it's almost like a mental challenge for Keyshawn just to to keep going because what was, what first half he's, oh never mind that's not pulling it up for me, was I on a different page earlier, um, yeah you know for Keyshawn though it was a slower start 
I think he was two of seven in the first half, then three of five in the second half. Again, it's not sexy, but you just kind of need that volume of production, and you need the other guys to be more efficient when it's not coming efficiently. Um, so those are my thoughts there. Uh, anybody else? Tristan De Silva. He he started off with a really nice night. I think he was three of three from the field, uh, ten points. Um, that included being two of two from three. Uh, yeah, so so he's perfect. It, it all looked really nice. And uh, from there, he, he missed some shots. And it turned out to be a pretty average night. Again, though, 10 points. How often has he been hitting double figures this season? Not often enough. Um, I do think that he almost felt like he was in more control than he was when we last saw him. Um, you know, he's, he's using his size more. And I almost wonder if, like, over the last month he just put on some weight. Because, you know, we talk about different guys on this roster and what their futures are. You know, Evan Batty, really good basketball player. Probably best basketball player on the roster. He's not going to go to the NBA. He's just not. He's a six foot nine center. You know, that's just not a thing that exists there. Um, Tristan Da Silva, on the other hand, you know, he's six foot ten. And he he has plenty of room to fill out his frame. He he's not going to be a skinny guy. He can be built pretty full. He can knock down shots. He can be pretty skilled offensively. And just because of those gifts that he has, he has the potential to be that sort of player. It's just whether he is a good enough basketball player to to kind of round out all the physical traits that he has. Um, And, you know, it seemed like he was using those physical traits better tonight. Um, Obviously, when you just knock down two of your three three three-point attempts, that's going to pad the stats pretty well. But even defensively, I thought that, you know, he he doesn't have the quickest feet, but he was positioned well. He was able to provide some resistance, and you just need him to take, take this next step put some of that offensive skill to use more do more on the on the glass um i don't think it's necessarily totally clicked for tristan da silva yet um, but i do think that in that first half we saw what it could look like um which is a step in the right direction um eli parquet and evan batty we haven't talked about them much they did the bulk of their work at the end of the game um, that that's what really stands out. You know, Jabari was kind of the driving force. They were they were down one at halftime, but they end up winning by five. Jabari was the main reason why. In those last couple minutes, though, it was Eli Parquet and Evan Batty that kind of sealed things. Um, what? Uh, let's let's start with this possession. Eli got the ball with. A little over three minutes left, probably. Is that right? No, no. The first possession. Here we go. Uh, Evan, this was with just under four minutes left. Um, he draws a foul with a little post hook, converts a three point play. Um, then they hit the under four timeout. Um, about a minute later, Eli Parquet gets past the ball on the wing. So Washington State's running a zone for the first time all game. Great move in any college basketball game. You know, you're down by three points with 
two minutes left. You pull this card out. It's basically a guaranteed stop in college basketball. In particular, it feels like a guaranteed stop against uh, CU based on what we've seen from them recently. Um, So, again, love the move. They kick the ball out to Eli in the corner. He takes a step in toward the defender, kind of crosses him over a little bit, takes a little step back, knocks down an 18-foot jumper. Just beautiful. It was his first field goal of the night. It comes at this crucial time with three minutes left in the game, a little less than three minutes left. Extends the lead from four to six. Just just a clutch basket from a veteran player. First field goal of the night. Um, And then... Uh, what's this? This is probably 40 seconds left. They're running the clock down. They have a, th- a three-point lead, and it's Eli with the ball, which I think is notable, that, that they put the ball in his hands in that situation to run down the clock, take a shot that, that could basically seal the game. So they run it down. Evan comes over, sets the screen. Eli goes around the screen, gets baseline, has a little scoop layup, knocks it down, and they're up five with 34 seconds left. Just... Your, your veterans coming in clutch when you need them to. Um, it, again, we don't, we're still learning about this team. And they've played a bunch of close games, games that probably shouldn't have been close. But they're able to just out-talent the other team when push comes to shove in those games. When you get to the Pac-12 games, you need to have a little bit more of a strategy. And I think some of that maybe we saw, you know, that probably is the look that Tad has drawn up. He's probably said, you know, when we're in this situation and it's time to run the ball out or run the clock out and we're going to go late, just get it to Eli, let him run this pick and roll with Evan and we'll be good to go. And I think it makes sense. You know, those may not be like, like Eli is not your most offensively talented guard, but he knows how to get a shot when he needs a shot. And we talk about earlier in the game, some of the shots the guys are taking, like these airballed layups, where he's like, what is happening? Or, or Lawson's little layup attempt after after the great footwork that is clearly a step forward from where he was a month ago. Um, you know, you see it, and you're just like, that's not smooth. That's not in rhythm. That just doesn't... It's not polished. Eli Parquet can have a nice, smooth little crossover step back that's going to look polished. Is it going to go in? Who knows? Um, I think it's going to go in more often than CU fans give him credit for uh, just because I get to see more of these practices and I can see that that part of his game is developed. But it just looks right. It's sharp. It winds up being a good shot. His feet are set under him. Everything's just nice and smooth. Um, You need that late in games. And I wonder if this kind of is their their closing look here. Um, Regardless, just nice steady hand. Um, Eli, I think, was three of six from the field in the game. Six points. Again, that's not anything special. That's a pretty Eli Parquet stat line. I think, I guess you probably expect one of those to be a three. Um, But really good defense throughout the night. A couple rebounds. Evan, though, Evan's the leading scorer with 20 points and just does what he does. I mean, he only missed once all night. He's 7 of 8 from the field. It was a three-pointer. He wound up being 2 of 3 from 3. He was ready to go. You know, again, it's just a veteran being ready to go after 17, 18 days off when everybody takes a couple minutes to get into it. He's ready to handle himself. And just another 
really, really solid performance from Evan tonight. He's your best player. You know, Jabari's the most talented. He has the highest ceiling. You know, if they're going to win the Pac-12, it's going to be because Jabari's putting up 20 points a night, not because of Evan. But right now, Evan is their best player. And just an efficient 20 points. What more can you ask for? Um, do think it's worth noting he had four fouls in this game. And, you know, we talk through these end-of-game scenarios where he extends the lead to six. He helps Eli extend the lead to five. He's playing good defense on the other end, all this kind of stuff. What happens if he has that one more foul? What happens if he's not out there late? Who knows? And it just it's really easy in the games where Evan does foul out to say, oh, well, if they just had Evan, maybe that would have played out differently. Sometimes it's worth looking at the games where they do pull out these close wins and say, wow, it's a good thing they had Evan in there. That is what it looks like. That's what you're missing out on. Um, again, really good night. Four fouls means that you're kind of playing with fire. Uh, Jabari also had four fouls, which is very notable. Um, Lawson also had four fouls. He did his in um, 12 minutes. Again, not not a surprise. He's a young big man going up against really experienced, polished big men. Oh, that just reminded me. One of those fouls was, we talked about that little back and forth. One of those fouls was on the uh, defensive end where the other guy was working him. Um, but yeah, it just it takes time. And I think we saw a step forward from Lawson. I think we saw a step forward from a bunch of guys. Um, let's see, two more I want to touch on. I, real quick, we'll say Neat Clifford, nine points, three to six in the field. couple important boards, very solid. couple turnovers, too. Not worried about it. Um, KJ Simpson left the game with what looked to be a head injury, um, went up for a layup. Actually, so what happened was the, the defender kind of reached around, tried to block the layup, um, hit him in the head with his forearm pretty hard and uh, wasn't called a foul. They actually went back and reviewed it, decided still was not a foul. I'm surprised by that. We don't need to dig into that. Uh, point is, KJ didn't play all that much. I uh, hope he's doing all right. He looked a little bit woozy out there as he was working his way off the court, went straight down the locker room, needed help from the trainer, took a break um, as they were walking off. He was down for a bit before that. So there's there's your information there. Is worth noting, he was out there shooting the ball um, at at halftime when they were coming back out to the court. Um, didn't play again, but, I mean, that's got to be a good sign that he was taking shots, right? So, yeah, definitely a situation to monitor there. Also, um, Julian Hammond. So he, he did get into the game before KJ got hurt. So it does look like, as of now, Julian Hammond is a part of this rotation, that third point guard spot. Um, obviously, with KJ out, his role expanded, and I thought he played pretty well. Only one of four shooting, two points, um, five rebounds, four assists, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, this doesn't have steals here, but there it is. Oh, so he did get a fourth steal. So four steals. That's pretty solid. Two points. Five rebounds, four assists, four steals, 14 minutes, uh, plus 10. We can run through those real quick. 
uh, best on the team. So Buffs were plus 14 when Jabari Walker was on the court, plus 12 for Batty, um, plus 10 for Julian Hammond in 14 minutes, and plus 9 for De Silva, plus 9 for Parquet. Uh, rest in the negatives. Yeah. Um, Julian Hammond looked good. You know, I did. My thought was like, he's not super explosive. He's not. I honestly, my thought was like, what is he doing? Like, what is he providing? Yes, he's not making mistakes. Yes, things are pretty clean when he's on the court. But, like, it doesn't seem like he's creating all that much. It doesn't seem like he's he's definitely not finding his own shot. Um, but then you look and it's like four assists, most on the team, tied for the most on the team. That's that's solid, and the, the, uh, you do think back to like a good pass or two, um, one to Jabari as Jabari's getting to the rim, um, and maybe there is more to that than I realized. You know, now if he does add a little bit more scoring to his game, he does, you know, get to the rim and, and open somebody up and get some more easy assists like that. Well, then you're talking about a really good player, but but very solid performance, I and mean, you can't argue with those numbers at all. Um, Want to see more Julian going forward. That was really exciting. Is it sustainable? Who knows? But is he, I think, I mean, that's probably most, that's probably the, the most exciting performance of the night, right? Um, number one, Julian Hammond. Um, number two is tough. You know, I guess, is it Evan? You know, I feel like we know about Evan, so exciting really isn't the word, but just so solid. I think you got to go him number two. Um, Jabari maybe number three it's tough because that first half was pretty disappointing but the way he bounced back and kind of dominated the second half is a good sign we could throw him there you know Tristan played pretty well for the most part tailed off there a bit at the end maybe he's up there Um, but definitely Julian Hammond really really solid really really solid and I think we're going to be seeing more of him Um, I think that's all I've got for today Again, a little bit sloppy to start, but things work out pretty well. Um, you get the win. In conference play, the win is all that matters. You're just trying to rise through these standings. Um, staying there at 2-1. and one, I'll, I'll pull this up real quick just so we can take a, a little look. Obviously, it's too early for too much information to come from these standings. It's going to be a lot. 2-1 and one and 1-2. One and um, as it stands today, though, Colorado sitting in fourth place in the Pac-12. Hey, it's it's early, but you like what you see. Um, just for context, USC 3-0, Arizona 2-0, UCLA 1-0, Colorado 2-1, Cal 2-2, Stanford 1-1, Washington 1-1. Again, it's way too early to care too much about the standings, but... You're just trying to climb this ladder as high as you can and hold on to your spot. Beat Washington, and you're still no worse than number four. So I guess that's the goal. Um, That's all I've got for today, and we'll talk soon.